0: Well, hey, everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Well, hey, before we get this party started, I have some exciting news for you. If you're ready to get your book in front of an entirely new and fast growing market, an audiobook would be perfect for you. Having an audiobook gives you the opportunity to get your book in front of more people while giving the listener a new way to hear your story in an intimate way. An estimated 131 million people listen to an audiobook in 2021. And do you know that the people that listen to audiobooks don't read print books, they only listen to audiobooks. So it's a whole new market for you to take advantage of. Leverage the opportunity of getting your book in front of millions of people by having an audiobook today. We can help you create one. Visit RedemptionPressAudio.com for our introductory special. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to another new Redemption Press author, Gwendolyn Odom Burton, and her new book, You Don't Know Just How I Feel, Hope for the Grieving Heart. And let me just say this conversation is going to give you some real resources for grief, dealing with grief yourself, and also helping others who are grieving and being a safe person for them. So let me give her a quick introduction before we roll that conversation. After three miscarriages and an adult son who passed away from sudden unexpected death in epilepsy, Gwendolyn Burton is uniquely qualified to help others navigate their grief journey by discussing common challenges and misconceptions. She studied with grief expert David Kessler, founded Sisters in Solace, a support group for mothers of child loss and is a certified grief educator. Gwendolyn enjoys physical fitness and lives in Aurora, Colorado with her husband, son, and three dogs. So let's roll that conversation. Well, Gwendolyn, it is such a delight to have you on the All Things Podcast today. So welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Athena. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yes, yes. Me, I'm excited for you to be here. So, we're going to start talking about your book, but first I want people to really get a glimpse into how God works in your life working hard things together for good, which really is going to transition right into talking about the book. So, but I I just love it when cuz we all have lots of Romans 8:28 stories that we could just you know on a dime talk about but i would love for you to just share the romans 828 story that became the book we're going to talk about today
1: absolutely you're you're right athena we all have so many romans 828 stories and i have had those in the past
0: mm-hmm.
1: but in 2016 when my beloved son 26 year old son Uh, transitioned. I use the word transition because some days it's easier for me than to say died or passed away. But in 2016, my life was turned upside down. And I had to go into a place in God and lean into God in a way that I never had before. I could not see how anything good could come from my pain, how anything good could come from my son dying. And I I could not understand, God, how could this thing happen? He was a man with so much life and so much love and so much compassion. And then out of the blue, all of a sudden, he was taken away. And I could not see, as I said, how anything good could come. As a matter of fact, Athena, I didn't want anything good to come from. It. Ooh, yeah! I didn't I could, want anything yeah. good to come from my son's transition. But God and being able to take all that pain and all that ugly, what I saw as ugly and unbearable, all those ashes, and bring something beautiful out of it, and cause it to work not only for my good, but for the good of others, and he's done that in a number of ways. He's shown me himself in a way I've experienced God in a way that I had not known existed. And so he's taken all of that ugly, all of that pain. And he continues to bring good out of it, to make good come forth in my life, in the life of other parents who've had children transition in the life of those who have had other family members uh, die. And so I'm just, uh, it amazes me. God amazes me mm. how he can take all of that, all of that, and cause it to work together for our good and for his glory.
0: Yeah, boy. And doesn't he, I mean, if you think about it, he it's not as dramatic and as powerful when it's some we just won this great award or we just got this great new job.
1: It's in the pain. It is in the pain. yeah it's in the valley, it is in the darkness, it is in the pain, it is in the doubt. it is when your faith is shaken when the very foundation on which we stand, and believe and confess and profess to others, when that is shaken, when your world is turned upside down, inside out, when the rawness of your heart has been just ripped open and it's just raw and bleeding, Hmm. that's, that's when I really saw and experienced the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the relationship that I have with God, that's when I saw that really blossom in mm-hmm. a new in a new way.
0: Yeah. Woo. Yep. That's that's the most amazing thing about our God. And it, it really shouldn't surprise us because look at the good that came from the pain he had to bear.
1: Absolutely. When, when I now say, you know, when we're in church and we're praising and we're worshiping and we're singing, we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. I now really know what a sacrifice of praise is after I had to walk into the temple, into the house, into the sanctuary with tears week after week, month after month and even sometimes now yeah. with tears streaming down my face and say father but I still trust you right I wouldn't have agreed if you if you were to ask me today god if 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 it was okay to take miles to bring miles home I probably still would say this is the truth of what I talk about I would probably still say, no, God, please take me instead, mm-hmm. Father. But I've learned to trust him at it on a deeper level. And I've yeah. learned to offer up that sacrifice of praise when everything within me is bleeding and hurting and rebelling. Mm-hmm. The flesh is the spirit. My spirit offers up that sacrifice. And it's not as if I had not gone through things in my past. That were traumatic, that were life-changing, life-shattering experiences. Because before Miles died, I thought those were the those were the you know the epitome of pain. Right. (laughs) For me, for me, for others, it still remains that it may still remain that. But for me now, having had a different experience um, in life, this is yeah by far by far, my um, Roman 828 story. Wow,
0: wow, wow, wow. Okay, so your book offers a unique perspective for people who are experiencing grief. And what would you say is the hardest piece about the grieving process?
1: Grief is very complex and it's very subjective. Everyone grieves differently. And that that particular question i would like to approach it from two angles but with one answer okay person who's grieving number one and then for the person who's supporting the support Mm, supporting the grieving person and one of the most unique things uh, or experiences that both people experience is wanting or trying or believing that everyone fits and one follows the same path. Hmm. So there's this one-size-fit-all approach to grief.
0: No. <laughs>
1: and that's why we need to have this conversation—an right. open, honest conversation about grief—and certainly in the church, mm-hmm. in the within the church, within the body of Christ, because we don't all go through grief. Every one's grief experience is different and unique. And when people believe that we have to fit a certain pattern a follow a certain path, follow the path that uh, my friend uh, followed or that I have to follow the path that you followed, Athena, or that you follow my path, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And what that does, it it puts us in, mm, this word just came to me. I did not even use this word in my book, in bondage.
0: Whoa. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep.
1: We're, we're, we're in this place and we're trapped there. And uh it leads to so many other issues in grief.
0: Well, that one size fits all thing that you said, um, that is, and I know because people feel awkward when someone's in pain like that. So they just kind of want you to hurry up and get over it so they don't have to face their own pain sometimes. So it's like the lazy way to try and make yourself feel like you're helping someone when all you're doing is making it worse by trying to make them fit in this box and do all these steps that someone said you had to do, and it should always look like that.
1: Exactly. Uh, what I found, um, and others who've shared it with me, is that in a lot of instances, well, we know that people are pretty uncomfortable with grief. We don't talk about it enough. We don't have this open, honest conversation. And as humans, we it it we're very uncomfortable seeing other people hurt. We're very uncomfortable seeing other people in pain. Right. And so we feel or we believe that we have to fix them <laughs> or make them happy or help them return to the person they were before this life-changing, life-altering event happened to them.
0: And just The more I think about it, and I, I know I'm guilty of this um, before I understood about grieving, Um it's kind of a selfish attitude to want them to just get over it. So your life, you know, is uh, easier because it's hard when people grieve around you and you don't know what to do and you and you say stupid things like I know just how you feel and it, it, you, you know that's that is there's somebody needs to write a book of all the things you should never say to a grieving person because there's so many.
1: There are so many, and as a matter of fact, Athena, in my book, I have a chapter on those on those oh
0: so good
1: cliches that have been passed down to us, even in the body of Christ. That we say to people, we our intention is to help, but in more likely than not, it's hurt. It's very painful for the grieving person. So I give about twenty or so examples of cliches or platitudes that we use, why we shouldn't possibly maybe use those. And then instead of saying those, consider saying this instead. Oh,
0: so good. So So good.
1: You're absolutely right. We've all been guilty of it. We have all been guilty. We are all guilty of it. And so, but as we learn more, and we're educated and we talk about this more, then we're able to uh, to make those changes to be when we open ourselves to learn. Right. And then once we learn something, then to put it into action. And then as we put it into action, it spreads into the larger community so that we grow and we become a community of people who become more comfortable with grief, Mm. understands grief at a different level now. And then we're able to help people who are grieving and to help ourselves as well.
0: Mm. So so important. So would you just briefly share your own grief experience with us? I think that'd be helpful.
1: Yes, absolutely. I am the a proud mother of two incredible young son, uh, young men, two sons. And my younger son, my older son RL uh, was born. He was diagnosed with epilepsy when he was 18 months old. So we've gone through a, an entire, you know, childhood, adolescent, young adulthood, adulthood with him dealing with epilepsy. Now my and my younger son Miles Uh, was my healthy son, my athlete, you know, he was his brother's partner in Special Olympics. He was just that, that brother. And when Miles was in college, he, I got a call and said, Ms. Burton, Miles was in the library studying. Imagine that a college student in the library studying, (laughs) the library studying and had a seizure. I flew out to Boston the next morning. He was diagnosed with epilepsy. Wow. Now, uh, five years later, that was in 2011, 2016, uh, Miles was here. He and his brother uh, lived in the basement. They had We have a basement that they rent. They, they lived in. And he came home from work and went downstairs. And about 10 minutes later, my husband went downstairs to ask him to come troubleshoot the TV again. He found him face down in his bed. And uh, he uh, had had a seizure and he what we call a SUDEP, uh, what is termed a SUDEP, sudden unexpected death in epilepsy, is what uh, he went to the hospital. Uh, life support doctor says, you know, yeah, it's time. You know, you you need to sign the papers. And we so in 2016, July 12th, uh, my beloved younger son transitioned uh, in my arms. I lay in the bed with him as and ushered him into the presence of the Lord. Uh, and so that was that's my my grief story. He came in one minute, 10 minutes later. We went, he was okay. Hey, mom, you know, it was a mama's boy. Oh, my goodness, he was a mama's boy. He would proudly say, I'm a mama's boy, you know. <laughs> and so, we just, you know, have a, a special bond with both of my sons, but certainly when my younger son, who had never had any of uh, any kind of medical issues, other than that, his seizures were controlled and uh, mm. came home uh, one day right that was the day that the Lord uh, that he transitioned
0: so did it take I mean was it a long process for you where you had to do just a lot of work I mean it's certainly with a sudden death like that not like okay he was diagnosed and you got time to work through it and process and get ready and all that what what was that process of actually grieving like for you?
1: And I'll, I'll start by saying that the process continues.
0: Mm-hmm. We grieve
1: differently over time. Right. Um, but initially, I knew right away, I think I knew right away that if I was going to survive, literally survive, that I needed help. I needed um Resources, people, therapy, prayer—all of those. I needed to lean into God, even when I didn't feel Him. You know, there there time where I, God, where are you? Where are you, Father? I need to feel your your presence. I need this. And but one thing that I did, and I found it was painfully necessary, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because you know we we're as Christians, you know, those of us who. Uh, attend church regularly. That's our lifestyle. Going to church was pivotal for me. Staying connected was pivotal for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm in the music ministry, and I told my pastor, I said, I-, I cannot sit down, take this time off because I'm afraid if I stop doing what I'm doing, you know, whatever my relationship is with the Lord. I feel that I'm going to go into this black hole and never find my way out. Right. I would stand up every Sunday Mm. and I would sing in tears. My face would be soaked with tears, but I would sing. I still trust you, God. I trust you, God, or whatever the songs were. And some of them, I, I just couldn't, you know, and I have to say like the best is yet to come. I told my music minister, I said, you know what? I don't feel that right now. Mm -hmm. And they were so sympathetic and they were so empathetic. Right. But let's not sing that today. We'll do something else. But that process of grieving and staying connected uh, with my my source, staying connected with the body of Christ, going for uh, grief therapy, uh, other kinds of therapy that I talk about in the book as well grieving, just moving my body, just all kinds of things that sometimes we don't think about that are necessary in the grieving process. It it helped. So yes, my grieving process was very, uh, very, I started right away. I think Hmm. a month after he transitioned or two months, I was in uh, this uh, Christian-based grief share. I went Program that 13-week program, which I now teach for our church. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the grieving process and everybody's is different. For mm. me, I I'd had to get plugged in right away yeah. because I was taking care of all, you know, my husband's certainly here, but I was taking care of all, uh, I was, you know, the administrator of his estate. Right. So I had to take care of all of that. So I knew I needed additional help. To help me through this process. The
0: grieving Mm. process. So good. Because it's, you know, the enemy would love nothing more than for us to isolate. And to just pretend everything's okay. And stuff it down. And not process it. And not deal with it in a healthy way. And uh, so you, you chose all those right things to do. To really have that healthy grieving process. So that is so good. So... We're almost out of time. If someone needed your grief support or needed to support someone grieving, what would you share with them?
1: First of all, um, if someone wants to support someone who's grieving, it's important to understand that you don't have to say much. As a matter of fact, you don't have to say anything at all. Simply, and I say simply, but it's not a simple act but showing up and being there sitting with them allowing them to share their story allowing them to cry and not feeling an urge to tell to to, to make to, to say something like don't cry it's gonna right. be, you know it's gonna be okay but to be uncomfortably comfortable with them right and just be being there for them and so uh feel free Uh, to email me, to connect with me on social media. My website, GwendolynOBurton.com.
0: Well, my friend, we could go for another hour so easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just have been so encouraged by your just the resource that you are for those who need you. And, you know, both the grieving and...
1: The support person.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: You no, know, I, I will say this about the book. I believe that this book, uh, well, the book is for both those who grieve and those who support those in grief. Right. But I, it's so transparent and honest, and it shines kind a of light on the reality of what we, even as Christians, as certainly the world, but as Christians, that we the, the grieving process. Right. That we're not weak if, or we're not lacking faith if we're still hurting Right. We're, we're grieving uh, our loved ones. So it's a very transparent, very uh, empathetic. You talked about empathy, very empathetic book, very uh, validating. So mm. I believe it's, it, it, it will be a great resource. Uh, So
0: if you're listening today and you don't have, uh, you know, you haven't gone through a loss um, like Gwendolyn shared, but, you know, everybody knows someone who is struggling with that kind of a loss. And if you don't know anyone right now, you're going to know someone. So buy two or three copies, keep them with you because that's the kind of thing that you want to share with others. Gwendolyn, thank you so, so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Athena. You
1: bet. Well, thanks so much for
0: joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.